there is no one way that we're supposed to look. There is no one way that we're supposed to act. There is no one way that we're supposed to be. The beauty of this world comes from each of us being uniquely exactly who we are. Hey guys, this is Coach K and you're listening to the Making Changes, Breaking Barriers podcast where we talk about you. This is about you, your mind, and your path. So today's topic is a really important one to me and one that I feel we lose sight of very easily at times when we go on this journey of change. And when I talk about a journey of change, I want to be clear that this change can be a lot of different things. Change can be big or it could be small. Change can be something you are controlling and trying to make happen or something that you don't have control over. I actually believe that all of us are going through some sort of change, whether it be physical or emotional, all the time. The change you're going through, it may not be super obvious, but think about it. And I know some of us don't like to think about this, but every day we get a little older, don't we? We get a little wiser or we learn something about ourselves or we learn something about the world around us. We find new motivation or we face a new challenge. We have a new hope or a dream. There's always something and that is just how we're built, right? To keep moving forward. Imagine if 20 years had gone by and you hadn't changed. You'd be living a totally different life than you are living now. I'll tell you that. 20 years ago, the iPhone was still five years from being released. It was just about 20 years ago that we switched from using VHS tapes to DVDs. And now we don't even really use DVDs anymore, right? For those of you who use social media, MySpace was just being launched 20 years ago. I mean, if that doesn't make you realize how much has changed in 20 years, I don't know what will. Change is all around us and it always will be. And change is always within us as well. So if we can really master the skill of navigating change in our lives, not only do I believe we will find our version of success, but also, and these may be the same thing, but I think you will find you end up living a life full of purpose as well. But there is a catch to all this. Because yes, I do talk a lot about change in this podcast and the importance of it and how to navigate it and how to master this skill. But there's one big trap we can all fall into in this conversation. And that is as we try and create change in our life, we lose sight of who we are now. We have this potential to lose sight of who we are now. We have the potential to forget to be grateful for what we have now. And we have the potential to stop loving ourselves for who we are now. So a lot of my professional career thus far has been in the fitness and nutrition industry in some way. And I will say when you're in this industry, it's pretty all consuming. Like I can imagine if you were in the insurance world for work, just as an example, You do your job and maybe you do your job really well, but when you go home or stop working, insurance isn't all that you think about. It's not all consuming, am I right? But I think because when you're in the fitness and nutrition world helping other people, what you're doing on a daily basis can be so directly related to your own personal health it can be all consuming. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing necessarily, but it does put a consistent emphasis on this question of how can I be better? 
how can I be better about the foods I'm putting in my mouth? How can I be better about my workout routine? How can my body look better? How can my mental wellness be better? How can I drink more water or get more sleep or whatever it may be? It makes you kind of very hyper aware of all these things. And this really goes for anyone who is trying to be more focused on their health in some sort of active way. When you take fitness and nutrition outside of sports, especially, you start to see a wide variety of perspectives and goals that people have. Maybe someone's goal is to lose weight or maybe it's to gain weight, right? Like gain strength or lose fat and change body composition. Or maybe you have a goal of being able to do a pull-up or squat more weight, or maybe you're training for a triathlon or some sort of race. A wide variety of goals here, right? Someone may have a goal to be healthier all around to live a long, healthy life, or maybe someone has a goal to have a smaller waist and a more lifted butt. Again, wide variety of perspectives that people come into this world with. And within all of that, there's no wrong answer. All of those goals are worth working towards, being committed to and pursuing. Having an emphasis on your health is not a bad thing, so please don't get me wrong on that. And even things that are not fitness and nutrition related, any goal that you have is worth pursuing, worth being committed to. But here's the big but. I do always believe it is worth asking why. If you want to train for long hours, six days a week to pursue this goal of completing an Ironman triathlon, why? If you want to be in a calorie deficit for, you know, three to six months to lose weight, why? If you want to do pull-ups, why? If you want a smaller waist and a more lifted butt, why? Or even things outside of the fitness and nutrition world, like I said, if you want to start your own business, why? If you want a bigger house, why? And I believe this why is so important because I think when we really ask ourselves this honestly, it can uncover some pretty big insecurities and areas for possible self-growth. So I'm going to make a bold statement and that bold statement is, No matter where you are in your current state today, physically, mentally, emotionally, socially, we should all be practicing radical self-love. Being able to be kind to yourself, showing compassion for yourself, being able to look in the mirror and appreciate what you're seeing for the uniqueness that your body has is so important for our emotional wellness. And I spoke about this in last week's podcast, but if our emotional wellness is not in a good place, it's going to be really difficult to stay consistent on a path to change because that path will challenge us. It will challenge us over and over and over again. And we need that emotional wellness and emotional intelligence to be high in order to battle those challenges, in order to get through them. So how do we practice self-love? what is it really? What is it not? Let's get into it. So similar to how when we talk about vulnerability, when we have this conversation about vulnerability, we always have to talk about shame. The two are hard to talk about without talking about both, right? When we talk about self-love, we also have to talk about self-esteem. Self-esteem and self-love are different. And it's really important to understand the difference when we're really trying to practice radical self-love. So the dictionary definition of self-esteem is confidence in one's own worth or abilities. So medically speaking, self-esteem is a focus on the external. It's our belief that we can take action and achieve in the world around us. And technically, self-esteem isn't even about the self at all. It's about the test, the workout, 
the salary, the partner, the next goal. It's more about the desired outcome. Self-esteem is confidence and belief in our ability to do and have. And while that might be something we know is correlated overall to achievement and success, it turns out, and I found this really interesting, that it's not necessarily correlated, self-esteem is not necessarily correlated to happiness, health, or loving you for you, that self-love I'm talking about. It's not related to our self-worth. So two things I want to point out here. Because self-esteem is attached to what we do, it can fluctuate really easily. When we succeed, our self-esteem can be really high. When we succeed a lot, our self-esteem can actually become very inflated, which can be, you know, a negative at times. In fact, actually, people generally who are narcissistic have very high self-esteem. But on the other hand, when we fail, our self-esteem can plummet. So self-esteem, because it is so revolved around what we do or what we have, it's not something that we necessarily want to rely on, okay? Self-esteem is not a bad thing to have. It actually can be very good. Like I said, it does correlate with achievement and success. We want a good level of self-esteem, but it's important to recognize where self-esteem comes from and the important difference between it and self-love. Self-esteem is something that, theoretically speaking, we have a little bit less control over, all right? Whereas self-love is something we have a lot more control over. So self-acceptance is another concept that is important to talk about in this conversation of self-love, but it's different than self-esteem as well. So psychologist Dr. Leon Seltzer explains the difference. He says, whereas self-esteem refers specifically to how valuable or worthwhile we see ourselves, self-acceptance alludes to a far more global affirmation of self. When we're self-accepting, we're able to embrace all facets of ourselves, not just the positive, more quote-unquote esteemable parts. Believe me, I think it's awesome to want to be better. I love focusing on self-growth, and I've told you guys over and over again that one of my three core values is growth, and I always love having something to work towards. So I'm not saying that we just need to accept me for me as I am right now, and period, that's it. That's not what this is about, but we do need to start there. We must first acknowledge all the good, but also that we have undesirable traits and habits before we start off on our journey to improvement. And when we practice unconditional self-acceptance, we can actually begin to love ourselves. This is where self-love actually begins. We can start to embrace our more authentic self and work on improving are less than desirable traits and qualities. Self-acceptance is not particularly thrilling or inspiring. Like think about the phrase, okay, I can accept that. Generally, you're probably referring to something that's okay, but not necessarily your ideal situation. But that is okay. And like I said, it, it is just the first step. Think of someone you know, or maybe it was yourself at some point, and that person has a weakness or a less desirable state, but doesn't see it, doesn't want to see it, doesn't want to truly accept it, right? They have not gone through this process of self-acceptance with themselves. What is the result of this, being kind of blind to this weakness or this less desirable state? The result generally is that whatever that weakness is causing will just keep happening. 
over and over again until that person is able to accept this less desirable trait. So self-acceptance is really important. And once we're able to practice self-acceptance, like I said before, we're able to start down a path of self-love. But I do want to make it really clear. Self-love is more than self-acceptance. When it comes to treating ourselves with self-respect and self-love, we can actually do better than self-acceptance. This is just the first step. So generally, a good place to start when we talk about self-love, we're getting into it now, is with our own bodies, right? What more to love than our own bodies? And what bigger challenge could we face than loving our own bodies? The truth is, we live in a world where the vast majority of people want to change their bodies. We see it on social media. There are TV shows about people doing radical things to change their bodies. And again, I go back to the question I asked at the beginning, which is why? Why do you want this change? And I actually have a really good test, a good way that you can kind of test how honest you're being with your response to why do I want this change? But I'm going to get to that in a minute. So hold on for that. But I believe that loving your body starts with acknowledging that the harmful thoughts you have about your body are not your own. Ask yourself this. Did you worry about, let's just say, your thicker thighs when you were a toddler? And I know the answer to that is no. These judgments are external ideas. They either came potentially as comments directed to us or potentially from comments made about you know other people that we overheard. Think about the amount of times, whether it was someone you were with or even just in a magazine or on social media, that you've heard some sort of judgment about a person's body. How many times have you even potentially participated in this yourself? These words, whether they're coming from you or from someone else, are like creating a rubric that you then feel, maybe even subconsciously, that you have to follow. And when you don't meet that criteria, it's so easy to feel like you're not worthy and to feel shame about your body until you change it to fit that rubric then you can love yourself again, right? When you can fit that rubric. But these judgments aren't based in truth. There is no one way that we're supposed to look. There is no one way that we're supposed to act. There is no one way that we're supposed to be. The beauty of this world comes from each of us being uniquely exactly who we are. And as amazing as it would be if we were all fully embrace that, I know it's really hard and I know that's not the case not to get too much into all of our past traumas, but you may be even able to think back to a moment when someone said something to you about your body that has stuck with you. I've heard stories from clients who say that they've had this line from someone in high school that's stuck with them for over 40 years, right? Something that someone said to them in high school about their body that as much as they've tried and as much as they do tune it out at times, it just kind of comes back and it's something that sits in their head, right? I actually have a story like that too. When I was in middle school, someone told me that I didn't have a neck, right? I don't know if it was like the particular shirt I was wearing that day or dress or whatever it was, but they said that it looked like I didn't have a neck, okay? And I was a little bit chubbier in middle school, so I'm sure that played into it, right? But that's something that has stuck with me. Something that I've thought about as I've looked at myself in the mirror and kind of was, you know, judging myself on how I looked. I think that's such a strong example of showing also how powerful words can be. 
these words that either are coming out of our mouth or coming out of other people's mouths or yeah, the things that we're choosing to listen to, these words can be so powerful and can have an effect on us that we may not even realize at the time. We may realize later down the line when we remember something from something that we've heard, or we may not ever actually remember it. There's a lot of thoughts and words that you know sit with us subconsciously forever. But I think the important thing to remember here is that these judgments about our bodies are external ideas. They do not define us and they should not stop us from loving ourselves for exactly who we are now. Another cool aspect of self-love is that by loving your body, you're reaping the benefits of doing so, which is great. If you love your body and you practice that radical self-love, you feel these benefits. But the other cool thing is that other people get to do this as well. By loving and celebrating your body, you can set an example for your children, for example, you know, or friends or family members to appreciate their bodies too. I actually have an example of a client who had this really big realization with her eight-year-old daughter. This client, I was helping with her fitness and nutrition, and part of our program was that she was weighing in once a week. So she had the scale in the bathroom and actually she put the scale away after every time she used it, I think like in one of the cupboards in the bathroom. But one day her eight-year-old daughter came up to her and said, mom, am I fat? And this kind of just took my client back. Like, where is this coming from? Like, no, honey, you're not fat. You know, why are you thinking that? And her daughter said so simply, she said, well, a couple of days ago at grandma's, I stepped on the scale and I weighed X weight. I can't remember exactly what it was. And then when I stepped on the scale today here in our house, I was four pounds more. Now, first of all, I'm going to say pretty confidently that for, especially for, you know, an eight-year-old who doesn't weigh very much, that there's probably an issue here with the two scales being very different for a four pound difference. But basically this eight-year-old you know, kid had stepped on these scales and because she had seen a different an increase in the scale, she was now thinking that she was fat. And, you know, her mom didn't even realize that she was stepping on the scale. This wasn't something that she, you know, had thought about or had thought about that maybe her daughter was, you know, watching and watching how she was interacting with things like her, her body and her weight. And maybe this even goes to food and, you know, paying attention to what her mom is eating and all that sort of thing. So this was a really eye-opening moment for my client to say, you know, I really need to pay attention to this and be careful about how I am celebrating or not celebrating my body because here's my eight-year-old daughter who is, you know, learning from me, right? If I'm putting my body down, if I'm not celebrating my body, my daughter is going to learn those things as well, right? And so this is where that test comes in that I was talking about, right? When we ask ourselves, why do I want this change? If you can answer that question to your kid, or if you don't have a kid, imagine that you are answering that question to your kid and you feel comfortable telling your answer to your kid to the point where you think that they'll be able to actually understand and and again, you feel comfortable with that, then I would say that your why is probably really rooted in something you really believe and that's something that you really want and something that you would feel proud of to get. But if you can't tell your kid your why, the why behind this change that you're wanting to make, 
you might want to ask yourself if this why is really rooted in something that you truly are desiring and would be proud of achieving or if it, is it rooted in potentially, you know, social influences, you know, you're getting influenced by the media or how you should look or how you should act or, you know, all those things should, 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 right? Not so much what you actually truly desire. So this example was such a good reminder, this example with my client of how we practice self-love and how this is seen by others, especially the youth. If you, you know, have direct contact with youth, whether they're in your house or you work with kids or anything like that. So with all this being said, it is so important for us to practice self-love, not only for ourselves. I mean, that is the most important, but we're also doing that so that the people around us kind of get permission as well to love themselves. Okay. So I want to leave you guys with five tangible ways that you can practice self-love right now today, right? Or sometime this week, I would love to hear about your guys' experience, maybe putting some of these things into practice. So number one is going to be practice mirror work. And this is exactly what it sounds like. Okay. Now I will say if you can do this naked, that's better, right? So find a private space, find a private mirror, get in front of that mirror naked, just you. And I want you to look at your body and I want you to appreciate every little thing about your body that you see. We are so used to standing in front of our mirrors and judging ourselves. Do we look pretty enough? Are we lean enough? Does my hair look good enough? Is my makeup, you know, good enough? How do these clothes fit my body? All these things. But I want you to stand in front of your mirror naked and I want you to go body part by body part and out loud appreciate yourself for what you are right now today. That is practicing mirror work. And I do think this is such a powerful experience. If you've never done it before, I really urge you to go give this a try. Even maybe look up more about this, about mirror work. There's a lot of information out there, but I think this is one of the most powerful, just amazing ways to practice self-love. The second tangible way that you can give self-love a try this week is to create a self-love ritual. This could look like a lot of different things, but maybe this is turning off the TV for 15 minutes. Like maybe you have a nighttime routine with your loved one or whatever, with your kids even, and you watch a little bit of TV. That's great. Okay. But maybe take 15 of these minutes that you normally give to TV and find, you know, something that's going to make you really feel good. Maybe this is like a good moisturizer and you can give your feet a nice massage, right? Or maybe even asking your loved one to give your feet a nice massage or a nice calf massage or something like that. Maybe this is taking 15 minute break, right? If you have kids in the house asking your partner to watch the kids for 15 minutes and you're going to go take a really just nice bubble bath. You get the bubbles going, you get the warm water, you get the candles going. And maybe this isn't something you can do every week, but that's okay, right? Just a few times a week, but put that ritual together, whatever it looks like, whatever that self-love ritual is, I want you to try and put that together this week. Maybe this is going outside at some point during the day and, you know, just taking in a little bit of sunshine, going on a 15 minute walk. It doesn't have to be long. Maybe that's all you have between work meetings or whatever, but just that can be really like telling your body, hey, I love you and you deserve this sunshine right now. You deserve this little bit of activity right now. And then we're going to get back to work, but I just wanted to give you this right now. So create that self-love ritual. So the third tangible way to practice self-love is to build a supportive community around you. And I talk about community a lot in this 
podcast. And I think it's probably because I grew up with sports and I just, I was always part of a team. And I saw just from really early on how amazing it is to have a group of people around you who support you and who help to keep you motivated and who are there just when you need a shoulder to lean on. And I've also actually seen, you might have a community around you, but when it's not a supportive community, it can kind of do the opposite, right? It can backfire. So I'm not just saying build a community. I'm saying build a supportive community around you. We need constant love, right? We thrive off of constant love, off of constant support. This really helps us stay on track and stay motivated. So if that's something that you don't have at this time, I really urge you to put in some steps to find that community. And I have a podcast episode about that. So check that out if that's something that you want to you know, listen more on. So the fourth tangible way to practice self-love is going to be to make a what's working for me list. I actually really like this one. Okay. So if you're looking for something where you can have a pen and paper, you can sit down for 20 minutes and just give something a try. This is for you. Make a what's working for me list. Truly loving yourself comes from self-acceptance. And we talked about that before. And one helpful step toward getting to that point of self-acceptance is recognizing what you already have. That's great. You know, that's going well by writing a what's working for me list. Once you see it on paper and accept all the positivity in your life, it will make it much easier to love yourself, right? So write down what's going really well right now, what you're really loving about your life, what you're grateful for right now, what you love about yourself, like basically anything that's part of your life right now that feels positive, write that down and it will make it that much easier to love yourself, to just be able to basically point those things out to yourself, okay? And then lastly, The fifth tangible way to practice self-love is going to be by organizing. And I know some of you guys just got super excited by me saying that because I know I have some type A people who listen to this podcast, but I was reading this book called The Mountain Is You by Brianna West the other day, and she made this really good point. She said, by leaving our lives and spaces in disarray, we are not just mindlessly forgetting to take care of our surroundings. We are often actually creating distractions and chaos that serve an unconscious purpose, okay? Keeping a clean and tidy space is a really amazing practice of self-love because it creates a space for us to be focused and productive in the ways we want to be instead of always feeling like we're a few tasks away from doing what we need to do. That's actually a form of self-sabotage. I don't know if you knew that, but Brianna West talks about that in this book. It's pretty interesting, right? Keeping a messy space, like always keeping your desk kind of messy or always keeping your bed kind of messy, like putting, you know, clean laundry on your bed or something like that. It's kind of a way of self-sabotaging. It's a way to say like, hey, before you go to bed, I know you're trying to go to bed early to get enough sleep, but here's all this laundry now you need to fold, right? Or, hey, I know you have a lot you need to get done with work today, but before you do that, here's this messy desk that you have to organize. So keeping a clean and tidy space consistently and actually setting aside time that isn't already, you know, for work or for sleep or something like that, too clean and too tidy spaces is really an amazing practice of self-love. Even something like cleaning out your closet can be the cleanse that 
we really need. Letting go of clothes, shoes, jewelry that maybe remind you of a certain time so that, you know, we can look forward and remember the best is yet to come. Or again, even just tidying up your closet. Maybe that's all you need to do, not necessarily get rid of stuff. But all of that organizing, cleaning can just be a really awesome way to practice self-love. So maybe that's something you give a try this weekend, for example. Okay. So I hope that one of those five tangible ways to practice self-love resonates with you. And I would really love for you to give one of those a try. It's one thing, and I I say this often, but to listen to all of this stuff, listen to these self-development podcasts and listen, you know, about how to change your life and, you know, be the best you and all those things. But what really matters after that, and most importantly, is putting some sort of action behind it. And this doesn't need to be a really big action. This can be something really small, like trying one of these five things. So I'll leave you guys with this. Changing your path will not be easy. It will be challenging. I'll say it over and over again, but it will be worth it. So do a self-check today. Are you on your path up your mountain? And if not, what path are you on? Thank you.